RMA would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Dharawal people. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and extend that respect to other Aboriginal people listening today. Yeah, I think that I got to this, that stage in my life where the children were older and I didn't have to be here with them all the time and I had, hadn't really done, apart from going to the gym, I hadn't done a lot. I hadn't had a sport, like my husband had soccer or golf, but I hadn't done anything for me. So I was just like, well, it's, it's me time now. It's, I can do something for me. And I could have taken that path and gone, I'm not going to do anything. Or you can take the other path and go, it's me time. I can be active. Going to my later years, that's going to help other parts my whole body stay healthy and aside from the breast cancer um but but just keep my bones and you know my body muscular and fit and um I think I just I took that path and and I like the results that I saw and I just want to you know keep on that journey hello welcome back to another episode of the podcast thanks for joining in Today, I interview an amazing woman from Sydney, Angela Caithness. I met Angela a few times now at a few different events, and she's always inspired me. Angela is in her 50s, and I love watching her run. She runs the most incredible times, having, you know, podiumed a few times this year, both at Canberra in her age group and also an actual female podium winner at the Western Sydney Marathon just recently here in Sydney. She's a beautiful woman. She only came to running at the age of 48 and we discuss what running has meant for her and how running has changed her life. In this episode, you'll hear about Angela's past and some of the traumatic events that she's had to endure in her life in terms of losing family members and what this trauma has meant in terms of shaping her own life and what's important to her. We also discuss her breast cancer diagnosis and her subsequent treatment and what running meant to her during this time. You'll love this episode with Angela. She's a breath of fresh air. This episode we actually had to record twice because silly me forgot to press record the first time. So this episode is so special because Angela has given me so much of her time to be able to record this episode for you. So without further ado, I'd love to introduce you to Angela. Before we begin, a message from this week's sponsor, Physiocram Massage Gel. Physiocram has been helping Running Mums Australia to achieve their running goals for years now and ease those post-training muscular aches and pains. Hurting sucks and Physiocram has our back. To get your own Physiocram, head to www.physiocram.com.au. Don't forget, if you're a member of the member program, you can get 20% off with your member code. You can also find Physiocram at your local pharmacy. Hi, Ange. Welcome to the RMA podcast for the second time. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Nicole. (laughs) Uh, For those of you listening, this is the second time we've uh, recorded this podcast but we didn't actually record it before because I forgot to press record. <laughs> so it's the first time in my whole podcast history I haven't pressed record. So here we are again and, and lovely Angela who's joined me has agreed to sit down straight after our last catch-up to record this episode again. So thanks, Ange, for giving me your time. That's all right. <laughs> These things happen. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. But look, um, we had a really good conversation before about your life and I think it was just a little, well, it was probably good for both of us to be able to um, feel comfortable about sharing your story or openly yeah. and maybe there's some things that we didn't touch on that we can touch on. So yeah, <laughs> things happen. So welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so you know, before we get into your story, like your, we'll just introduce who you are. So you're obviously a mum from Sydney. You've got two two daughters, is it? Yes, yes, yes. Holly and Ella. Holly and Ella. So Ella yes. is, uh, Holly's 19, Ella's 15, is that correct? Yes, that's right. <laughs> um, you used to live in Perth. You moved to Sydney. You were originally from Tassie. Um, yes. 
your mum, and you're also an amazing runner, I think, (laughs) Um, our Sydney running community, part of our RMA network. And you also have just gone through some breast cancer treatment. So we do want to talk about that in this podcast as well. And also some of the, I guess, tragedies that have happened in your life that have shaped who you are. Um, So welcome to the podcast. In every episode, we start the podcast with talking about our guest's history, I guess, to give people a little bit of background on where they're from. So you just want to tell people where you grew up and what your life was like as a young person. Yeah, and Nicole, I grew up on a um, farm just out of Devonport in Tasmania, a little place called Moriarty with a very small population. Um, It was a dairy farm. We also had um, crops and pigs and it was just um, quite pretty where I grew up. If we looked out in one direction, I could see Bass Strait, the, the water, and if I looked in the other direction, I could see the mountains, which in winter would have snow on them. Um, it was it was just beautiful, but I took that all for granted as a young child growing up. So, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but looking back on it now, I was pretty lucky to grow up in um, yeah. on a farm like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I remember travelling. Oh, recently, I went to Tasmania and I saw those <laughs> beautiful places you're speaking of, and. We went up to Cradle Mountain and, oh, Tasmania is incredible Um, Mm. and not too big so you can drive around lots of places in a short amount of time. But I do remember going as a, well, I would have been a 19-year-old with or 18-year-old with my parents driving around Tasmania and pretty much spending the whole time sleeping in the car. (laughs) (laughs) Probably thought it was really boring. (laughs) It's like you didn't appreciate it at all. And now as an adult when I've been back times I just think what was I thinking like Tasmania Mm -hmm. is just incredible beautiful place to grow up so what was it like for you growing up on a farm yeah it was great I mean you know so much open space a lot of place to run around and um paddocks and um being on the farm that we shared with um my dad's brother so I had my cousins living on the other end of the farm so we spent our holidays together riding bikes and then motorbikes when we got a bit older and mm. just um yeah just lots of open space it was it was wonderful yeah and I, I've I mentioned before to you that I've talked mm. to a few people on this podcast who have grown up on farms that actually ended up being good runners yeah. <laughs> and you know if it's something about just being in nature and running about as kids that um you know help them later in life maybe <laughs> freedom with their running but um yeah what a beautiful way to grow up and can you tell us like if you played sport as a child what was your sporting background like yeah um all through primary school and high school i played hockey and um yeah i really enjoyed um uh playing hockey and I got to the state squad um, trying out for the state team but never any further I was I was a good player but I was never great same with other sports as well I was Mm. just mediocre (laughs) but I always enjoy being sporty yeah yeah Mm. so but you didn't do any running throughout your teens no only um through the school athletic carnivals and cross-country carnivals that you know I, I probably went to zone but I didn't go to I was never a champion. I never came first or anything like that. I just made up the numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, mm. like, you know, <clears throat> people that play sport like hockey, you know, they have to have that explosive movement. Um, but you've coupled that with endurance running as you've been gotten older and, you know, you are mm. in, I guess, the pointier end or what well, we'd say. So your, your, your PB for your half marathon is around 134 and, like, that's quite fast for a lot of people. So, you know, you obviously yeah. have the talent and you have the um, the fast twitch muscle fibres, but you're yeah. able to combine those um, with your endurance training, um, which has definitely mm. helped you in terms of your runs, which we'll be definitely talking about on this episode. So, yeah. you know, growing up on a farm and your dad and mom, you know, obviously ran that farm with your uncle. Yes. And... Um, you know, tragedy struck your family in 1990 mm-hmm. when your dad had a freak accident on the farm and became a paraplegic, quadriplegic, quadriplegic. sorry, yeah. became a quadriplegic. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Can yeah. you tell us about that time and what that was like for you that day? Yeah, it was the 3rd of January 1990 and um, we got a phone call from a neighbour to say that um, Dad was on the road with a tree across him. He was on his little farm motorbike and there'd been a gust of wind and knocked him down. And so we turned up um, at the accident site not long after it happened before the ambulance had even got there and he was <clears throat> saying, oh, I'm scared, Angela, I'm, I'm going to die. And I was like, no, you can't do that, Dad, you can't do that. The ambulance turned up and um, okay. took him off to hospital and um, he was he had a spinal cord injury and he became a quadriplegic. He spent, because um, we were in Tasmania, he had to go to hospital in Melbourne. So we had um, eight months in Melbourne um, while he was being treated. Then he came home. We had to have our home um, adapted for him. He couldn't work. My mum had to give up work so she could be his carer. So, yeah, from, from that day on, our lives totally changed. Mm. And that would yeah. have been such a traumatic <clears throat> thing for you. I mean, you said to me you were only 19, around 19 yeah. years old, and I think yeah. my daughter is almost 19. Mm. And, you know, you're so young. You're at that age where you kind of really rely on your parents still but are kind of wanting freedom and um you know your own life mm. i mean for you did that have a big impact on you at that time as a teenage girl ready to sort of start her own life yeah i mean i may have taken a different direction in my life and done different things but i think that things just sort of seemed to stop for me and i just had to keep on going um because you know it was a hard time in our lives so mm. i you know, had to be there to help mum when I could and, um, yeah, just to be around the family, yeah. So did you all move, have to move to Melbourne when your dad was in rehab? Um, my mum stayed over there. There was a unit where she um, stayed close by to the hospital, sort of um, just over the road, whereas um, my sister and I came and went a few times and visited. We didn't stay there the whole time, so... Yeah. For a fair chunk of time we were there though. Yeah. Yeah. Which which mm -hmm. was also, I'm sure, a time that was difficult for you too, being away from your parents. Like yeah. you obviously know, mm -hmm. uh, was your sister older than you? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's so, three you know, years older. You you mm. would have had to grow up in that time, mm. you know, being a bit self sufficient, I guess, as a nineteen year old. Yeah. Um, while your parents were dealing with this um tragedy. And what was it yeah. like for your dad, like I guess when he came home? Yeah, it was really tough because we lived on the farm and um, he could look out and he could see the farm, but he couldn't work on it anymore. Um, he tried to do a bit of the um, pay, the, the, the um, um, business side of it, but, you know, that wasn't Dad's thing. He was a bit active man and just to sit back and just watch it was really hard for him. Mm. Yeah. And what led you to Western Australia after that? <laughs> I was in a relationship with somebody who um, I'd met at uni in Tassie and um, he got he was working um, at the airport um, as an air traffic controller in Perth, so I <laughs> followed him over there, <laughs> left home, as you do when you're, you know, 21. <laughs> mm, mm, <wow>. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it would have been like, Probably for you too, a freeing experience, being able to just have your life and not having to think of other people. And I guess at, at 21, yeah. that's what you you want. Yes. Um, what was it like actually back then in Perth, living in Perth? It was, yeah, it, Perth's a lovely city and yeah. I really enjoyed living there, but it was such a long way away from mm. um, home. And I, I know I was homesick and mm. I know that my mum and dad didn't really think it was the right thing to be doing, but they knew they couldn't talk me out of it, so off I went. <laughs> and then you ended mm. up, did you end up back in Tassie or did you go straight to Sydney? Straight like to that? Sydney because at that time my sister was living in Sydney, so I went to Sydney to be with her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm. okay, right. Yeah. It's nice to know, like, how people get around. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. I went to Perth once. Um, it's a beautiful place. 
But yeah, mm. I, get, I can kind of see correlations actually with Tassie and Perth, like smaller, you know. Yeah, like yeah. Not big, of, big cities. So. Yeah, wholesome, mm. I don't know, just nice, tight knit communities, I guess. Um, yes. Not like Sydney, which is just like <laughs> one yeah. falling metropolis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, mm. I do want to talk about, and then I know it's hard for you, especially to talk about it again, um, <laughs> about the tragedies that, you know, you've had in your family because obviously your dad's mm. story was the first one and that was had a massive impact on your life and on your family's mm. life. Um, mm. But then again, um, you had another tragedy when your sister was diagnosed with cancer in 2005, firstly lung cancer and then went to her brain and she passed away um, just after her 40th birthday. Yeah. Leaving behind her own children as well. Yeah. How did that, you know, what kind of impact did that have having your sister who I'm sure you were close to on your life? Yeah. uh, I I think that... I was always holding out hope, even when she had cancer, that she would fight it and she would be okay. I think that my sister and her husband knew that there wasn't going to be um, a good outcome from this. Um, They'd done everything that they could. Um, At that time, my um, Ella was only... um, less than a year old she was like nine months old so it was very hard for me having a newborn child and having my sister as sick as she was so Mm. um yeah incredibly sad and Mm. for me the hardest thing is to see her children that she left behind yeah yeah and Mm. i mean she didn't even she wasn't even a smoker you said no no so just one of those things that happened yeah yeah tragic Mm. Absolutely yeah. tragic. I mean, mm. did you, I mean, you weren't, she was living in Tassie. And yeah, she'd moved back home to um, be near mum and dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because so my brother-in-law got work down there, so they moved down. Yeah. So that was difficult for you, I guess, being so far away from them um, as well yeah. um, in terms of supporting her. I mean, you could get there yeah. when you could, but you also had a newborn baby or, you know, a nine-month-old baby. I mean, um, yeah. and you were a young mum yourself Mm. so um yeah another tragic moment in your life and then a few years later your father and mother both passed away um within the same year of each other so you'd lost your whole family before you were even 40 and i don't want to dwell on this the sadness in your life in this in this podcast but i do want to frame it because i think that um sometimes things that happen to people you know, they they tend to, I guess, form part of their story and then yeah. from this, you know, different things happen in your life that come out of tragedy, I guess. What sort of things do you think you've learnt about yourself through those kind of experiences that have led you to live a life maybe that's different to what it might have been had that not happened to you? Yeah, at, at the time I think that I maybe not have grieved as I should. I, I grieved, but, like, I, I had to deal with it. Like, mm. there was no one else who was going to pick up the pieces of, um, you know, my mother and father passing away. It was all left to me. So I just, you know, had to get things done. So I think in terms of that, I'm still feeling the effects of that mm. years down the track. But, I mean, I know that you'd still be grieving losing your parents but mm. at the time maybe I didn't do it as I should have because I had to deal with everything else so organizing yeah. funerals organizing estates and selling house and mm. all this sort of stuff so the impact of it probably didn't hit me until maybe even years later then I'd sit back and go oh my goodness I lost my mum and my dad and I've also lost my sister that's pretty big, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. It's huge. It's huge. And what what kind of, I guess, like losing so much in a short amount of time, mm. you know, how did that change, I guess, or did it change the way that you would want to live your own life? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like with what I do in my life now, I just feel lucky that I'm I'm here, I'm in my 50s and I'm living my life and mm. being able to do things, seeing my girls grow up. Mm. That's probably one of the biggest things for me. Yeah. I've found incredibly hard losing my sister and seeing her children grow up and knowing what she's missed out on that. I, yeah, find that really hard. But yeah. Yeah great kids and she'd be incredibly proud of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you have a, like, close relationship with them as their auntie? Yeah, well, they've recently moved, oh, in the last four, four or five years, they've moved up to the Central Coast. So um, I see them a bit more regularly now that they're up here. So um, my brother-in-law's done an amazing job and they're um, both were school captains. So... <laughs> Yeah, my sister would be so proud. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. And I'm sure mm. your sister would be proud of you and all of your achievements. And, you know, I did want yeah. to highlight, um, and I love highlighting on this podcast, women from all different ages and walks of life and yeah. different stories. And, you know, your story is different to someone else's story but has a huge yeah. impact. And, like, I didn't know all that about you until you shared that with me and I mm. thought I kind of thought wow that's a lot that's a lot to yeah. deal with but I could see how your I don't know your strength shines through like and when I've mm. met you I, I don't know I just think it's just has more impact knowing that history um yeah about you as a person and and why you do the things you do um and there's so much more to you that we'll get into yeah. But I wanted to, you know, I just wanted to sort of preface the podcast with that story because I think it's shaped who you are now um, and the strength that you have in yourself. So, yeah, I know it's hard to talk about, um, but also highlights, you know, the importance of those people in your life and what they mean. Yeah. So. Yeah. But you yeah. didn't start running until you were 48 years old. That's um, right. <laughs> not that long ago. No. Um, you are now. Um so what actually led you to your running journey? Yeah, well, I'd always been active and I'd always gone to the gym and I that was my only outlet with um, young children was having an hour when I went off and did a class at the gym and put them in a crash. Um, but the gym I'd been going to was a bit of a drive away and I got a little bit tired of it and I lost my love for it. So I stopped going to the gym but I wanted to keep active so I was um, walking and I'd often meet um, my friend and take my um, boxer dog Bonnie with me and we'd, we'd walk laps of the oval just chatting away. Um, then my um, dog was old and she passed away and I'd still just keep on walking, often on my own still. And I just thought to myself, maybe I could run from one light pole to the other. I'll see if I can do that. It was about 200 metres mm. I did that and I thought, Maybe I could run a lap or even two laps of the oval, which is an 870-metre circuit. I could do that. And I was like, oh, I'm getting into this running thing. Okay, I'll just keep on running and see how, how far I can go. And my sister-in-law, Mel, was um, staying with me from Canberra in the October. And she said to me, oh, when you come down to Canberra for Christmas, you'll have to come and run around Lake Tuggeranong with me. She said, it's about seven kilometres. So I thought, right, I need to be able to run eight kilometres so I can do that run with her. Mm. So I pushed myself and got myself running, um, you know, eight kilometres by Christmas. And we went down and um, we didn't run one lap of the lake. No, Mel says, no, I often run two. So I ended up running two laps of the oval, which turned out to be 14 kilometres my longest ever run. Mm. So I was like, oh, I'm so proud of myself. I ran 14 kilometres. Wow. <laughs> and so that was for the Christmas. Then in the March, I saw Mel and she said, you know, I'm thinking of doing the um, Canberra Half Marathon in April in three weeks. <laughs> Why don't we do that? Because her um, husband's sister was into running and she suggested, you know, why don't you do this run? And uh, I was like, oh, well, that would be an amazing feeling to 
do a half marathon. Imagine the feeling when you finish, you'd feel so proud of yourself. Oh, I think I want to do it. So I registered, wasn't really prepared. And about two weeks before, I had pain in my knee and I was injured. And it was unbeknownst to me at the time, though, it was an ITB injury. Really should have run it. Kept the injury secret from my husband because he would have said, no, you're not doing that. <laughs> but I really wanted to do it. So off I went. Felt okay at the start of my run and then the pain set in. From about 12 kilometres on, I was struggling. Got to 16 kilometres and I was in a lot of pain. I virtually limped over the finishing line. I think it was about two hours, 24 or something like that. A lot of pain. Ended up in the first aid tent. Oh, no. <laughs> so it wasn't a good experience. Mm. And I know a lot of the people that you talk to do their first event and it's amazing and that gets them hooked on running. Well, I was the opposite. <laughs> it wasn't a good experience for me. Yeah. But I knew it could be better. Yeah. And... I wanted to make it better, so I um, was got treatment for my knee. I had dry needling and massage and saw my chiropractor and gradually eased back into the running again. So, <laughs> And my um, sister-in-law had planned our next run, which was the Dubbo Stampede, and it was going to be um, a little fundraising thing because her son has autism. So she wanted to raise money for autism spectrum. So we set up a little team. It was called Team Tig. It was myself, Mel, her husband, sister, Tanya, and um, her brother, Brett. And actually our kids ran the um, 5K event too. So we were Team Tig. We did fundraising. We had a group chat. It was just so much fun organising this mm. event. And the road trip to Dubbo, that was fun as well. So we, we camped in the caravan park in the cabin and, yeah, it was just a really good experience, um, just the lead-up to that run even. So, yeah, yeah. so it led me to my next event. Two different experience. I mean, had you – I mean, I think it's good that it's – not. I think it's kind of good that maybe you had that experience at Canberra, like the negative experience in terms of injuries and stuff, because it mm. made you realise, okay, there's some lessons in in my preparation wasn't long enough and I'm injured, I probably shouldn't have raced, you know, yeah. lined up for the race, I guess, um, mm. that you would have learnt. Um, but also you learnt what it was like to run, like with the Dubbo Stampede, with, you know, a cause behind you and it was exciting to mm. be part of a team of people and, yeah. You know, you obviously had a really good run that day. Um, what was your difference in time from Canberra to WSMP? <laughs> yeah, I did it. I think it was an hour 48 in Dubbo. Yeah. So, yeah, I was pretty excited um, to run that as well as I did and yeah. feel so good. And, it, 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 yeah, just those endorphins when you cross the line. And mm -hmm. I've got photos of me crossing the line with my arms up in the air and like I'd won the race. So I was pretty excited. <laughs> and I've done mm. the Dubbo Stampede and it's such a great event. Um, yeah. The course is beautiful. The people are nice and friendly. Yeah. And yeah. I'd love to do it again too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mm. I'm glad that you didn't give up running with your first race. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, and that you kept going and you stuck it out because you've had great success ever since. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, good on you for not giving it up when it got hard. Um, yeah, no, maybe so, more determined actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that's yeah. right. And I guess there was lessons that you learned. Like, what were some of the biggest lessons I guess you learned from that first race? Oh, even just the small little things like my socks. I was wearing Bond socks, <laughs> so in the lead up, like I had bad blisters. My shoes weren't right. I knew I had to get proper running shoes. Even back then, I was so underprepared. I would hold my phone in my hand mm. attached to my earplugs. You know, mm. <laughs> I've made my life so much easier just um, mm. from being on probably RMA and learning from others. And mm. I was like, oh, I need this 
and I need that and yeah. things like that. So just setting yourself up with just the basic things for running. Yeah, that's right. And that's the thing. Mm-hmm. We learn so many lessons along the way that make us better for the next experience. So yeah. it's part of the journey, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It can't all, it can't all be good. And we're going to no. have, even if we're, and even if we are the best prepared that we could possibly be, um, it doesn't mean something bad's going to happen to us and <laughs> we're going to have a bad experience in a race. It's going to happen, you know, we yeah. don't know how we respond, I guess, that's important. Yeah. Um, so when you had run the Dubbo Stampede post-event, you did do the Central Coast Half Marathon as well. Yes. Um, and then the world went into lockdown. Yeah. In 2020. So what was that time like for you and how did that affect your running? Yeah, so no more events. So I think um, I had planned to do Canberra and we went into lockdown maybe three weeks before that. So that went out the window along with um, everything else, including the gym. There was nothing to do apart from run. So for me, I think lockdown actually helped my running because I had nothing else to do but run. You know, no events as such to train for, but there was nothing else to really do. So every day I'd just get up and go for a run because I wanted to get out of the house. I wanted to, you know, breathe the fresh air outside and just get out and about and do something. So I was running nearly every day then. So it it did actually probably help my running in that respect. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of Mm. people turn to running through lockdown. I mean, I know that um, my friend Todd from the running company, his Mm. business took off because everyone was coming in getting running shoes. (laughs) Yeah. People that weren't runners, like that were like maybe Mm. would have gone to the gym, all the gyms were closed. So a lot of people actually turned to running. Yeah, it used to be quite crowded out and about because everyone wanted to get out and exercise. That's right. (laughs) Keep active. That's right. Um, Mm. But during that time also, um, you were diagnosed with cancer. Can you tell us about how that came about and how you, I guess, found out that you had cancer? Yeah, so um, in in May 2021... I booked my appointment um, for breast screen because I've turned 50 and I've been sent a letter in the mail saying um, that the breast screen van was going to be um, nearby and, um, you know, I should go in for an appointment. So I went, oh, I should do that. So I booked my appointment, I think it was for the Wednesday, and then I had to work, so I changed it to the Friday afternoon, very last afternoon that they were there and um glad i did because after that you know it would have been back because breast green um mm. stopped operating during lockdown so yeah i went off on my mammogram but i didn't even really think a lot about it i had my test oh yeah well that's all done didn't think much more about it until i got a letter in the mail asking me to go back to for further testing at westmead um the following week and I spoke to a couple of friends about it and they said, oh, it might be because it was your first mammogram and they just couldn't see properly and they need to have a closer look. So I, I tried not to worry too much about it. Went in for, had more mammograms, ultrasounds, um, examinations. The waiting room cleared out that day. Everyone else got sent home, but I still there they made me sound like i was that was special or something but no it wasn't special that was because i had to stay back for a a biopsy so they could do further testing this was um just before the june long weekend so i had to wait until after the the um long weekend and wait an extra day to get my results on the wednesday and i went in and saw the the breast doctor and um, there was a breast care nurse there that day too and um, I was told I had DCIS which is ductal carcinoma in situ which meant that I had um, calcifications which hadn't moved into the breast tissue but it was it could become invasive if not treated mm. and I was told I would have to have surgery to have it removed and um, four to six weeks of radiation um, and 
they found out who my GP referred, what surgeon um, um, she refers to. Eight o'clock the next morning, I was out at Nepean Hospital seeing the surgeon, breast doctor and the breast care nurse discussing whether the best option was to have a mastectomy or have a lumpectomy or the, the breast conserving surgery plus four to six weeks of radiation. And the decision was ultimately my own decision, but I didn't know what was going to be best. Mm. Um, I wanted what was best medically, not, I just didn't know, but they like you to make that decision yourself. Yeah. And because my breast was quite dense, they um, advised me to have an MRI um, so they could have a better look um, to see if it was in other areas which would help mm. make my decision for me possibly. Mm. So I had a couple of weeks to ponder all of this and go from one decision to the other where I'm going to have a mastectomy and just be done with it or whether I would have the breast conserving surgery and um, plus the radiation. I remember the breast doctor saying to her when I told her I, I, I'd like to run. And at that point I was in a good feeling quite fit and healthy and happy with the way my running was progressing. And um, she said, well, you know, it is your breast, so it's not going to overly affect your running for too long. So I was like, oh, you know, that's good. Um, but anyway, I went in for my MRI, which I did not like at all because you had to be face down um, with a machine going around you and I just got claustrophobic. I hated it. Then I found out two days later that, a bit like our recording today, they hadn't, <laughs> they hadn't recorded the MRI properly, so I had to go back again. <laughs> Must be trained with me. <laughs> so back I went. I had to have the dye injected into my arm and he hadn't put that in properly, so we had to redo it again. And, um, yeah, so I had that funny experience of the MRI for a second time. Fortunately, this isn't as bad doing it a second time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I went off to see my um, breast surgeon for the results and to make my decision. So I decided to go for the, um, the lumpectomy and that was on the Monday and he said, well, I can do it on the Thursday. So that all happened all in the one week. So I had my surgery. I mean, I, I think I got through the surgery quite well and it wasn't too bad. I was, you know, up and moving around and um, felt, felt quite good. And I was just getting over my recovering and getting back into it all. And I went back for my results and I found out he didn't have clear margins, which meant he had to go back in for a second surgery, um, which happened two weeks after my previous surgery. So just when I was just starting to sort of get over it, <laughs> another surgery and another recovery from surgery. So um, that was hard, um, but I got over it and got back in, kept on running. <laughs> well, after I recovered from my surgery, I, I was lightly running again. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So that and then the, how long after the surgery did you start your radiation? Um, so the... Surgery was, the second surgery was at the end of July and radiation went all through September. Mm -hmm. So I had, um, you know, a bit over a month mm -hmm. um, before they started that. So, and what yeah. was radiation like? What was that process like for you? It, it was scary to start with, that's for sure. You know, turning up to the, um, the cancer centre and sitting there with, other patients who have mm. cancer who are very sick and have had chemo and lost their hair and bits of their faces missing. And I'm just sort of sitting there thinking, well, what am I doing here? Oh my God, what? I can't believe that I'm at a cancer centre. And, mm. um, and then you're there every day and going in for treatment. And um, the treatment itself was only very Week was only you know five minutes or so, but you know it, it was relentless doing it every day, and yeah. um, you know fortunately I didn't have side effects that were too bad, so mm. I got through that all right. It was just yeah, it was a 
big, pretty big thing to get through as well. <laughs> and you, yeah. you were able to keep running throughout that time? Yeah, I, I thought that it would be good for me to be able to keep running if I could. And I said to myself that if at any point I didn't feel like I could run, I, I wouldn't run. I'd only run, um, I wouldn't push myself hard or anything, but it was just I knew I needed to keep active and to get out the door and um, keep my mind sane as well and just yeah. keep normality, normality more than anything, you know. Yeah. If I just stopped everything that I loved and doing my normal things, it would make that a little bit harder for me. So, yeah, yeah I did that. <laughs> what was it yeah. like for you, like, when you first got that diagnosis, I guess, emotionally, knowing that your sister had had a similar diagnosis with cancer? Um, what yeah. was that like for you? Yeah, I was like, processing? oh, me as well. Oh, I, I knew the treatments she'd been through. Um she'd had chemotherapy as well as radiation therapy. So I was lucky that I didn't have to have chemotherapy because I know that's a lot worse. And I just remember that she'd had to travel to have radiation every day and mm. kind of wished I had her to talk to her about it, but mm. I, I didn't, but it was just like, Oh, you know, that same story again. And my turn now. Mm. Yeah. It was, it was, it was hard, but I was, I guess I was lucky that it was found early and that meant that the treatment wasn't as bad for me. So, mm. yeah. So where are mm. you now in the stage of your treatment and journey with that? Yeah, well, it's, this was all happening this time last year. So last week I actually had a um, my 12-monthly checkup. So I had my... Um, mammogram and ultrasound and I'll see the surgeon again at the end of July so I'll find out my results then but um, I'm hopeful that everything will be okay yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah but it'll yeah. be regular checking so um, I'll be on top of anything that might pop up so yeah yeah well we're hopeful that's the case as well yeah um, me too <laughs> so you have mm. to update us but um, yeah. yeah I mean that's a lot to go through for anybody but especially for someone who's had history of one of their loved ones going through it as well it would be quite traumatic I think just having to think of the what-ifs and you know you have your yeah. own family and it yeah. would be a scary time for you I mean I guess yeah. running helped give you that constant companion I guess through that time I guess to be able to deal with it emotionally as well just getting out into the fresh air and into nature being able yeah. to see your mind yeah, yeah it, it was great that I was able to to keep doing that and being um, this time last year, we were in lockdown. So through my whole, from when I was diagnosed, um, I saw my friend a couple of days later, um, but then the following week went into lockdown. Mm. I didn't see anyone until after my treatment finished. Mm. I did not see a friend <laughs> or family. Yeah. yeah. So... Mm. Now, it would have been so difficult to be able to live this all on your own and go through all of that on your own. Um, yeah. As lots of people did have to go through, like even yeah. I know my husband had back surgery last year. I couldn't go mm. to the hospital. It was awful. Just yeah. not being able to be there. Like, no. It's just awful. And I know friends that had, you know, Natasha mentioned on podcast that her husband had had his accident and he was in ICU. She wasn't allowed to go to the hospital. Like it's just, mm. it was just an awful time for people. So I can just imagine yeah. what you went through. Um, mm. And luckily it's had a good outcome, but still it's not very nice mm. to have to just walk into the hospital by yourself. Yeah. Like every hospital appointment, um, I was on my own, mm. you know, that you weren't allowed to bring anyone with you. I was dropped off at the hospital door when I went for surgery. So yeah. 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 <laughs> Not nice, not nice. No. Um, but the good thing about um, this experience for you is that you still managed to maintain some amazing running. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how you did it, but you did. And, like, you know, during this time you did, you know, you obviously kept up your motivation with your with your running as well and yeah. you were able to compete in the Dubbo Virtual Stampede last year. Um, yes. Because lots of events were doing virtual runs, which yeah. was great to keep people motivated. And yeah, you, I did a few virtual you, events. You set yourself a PB. <laughs> yes. 
SLPB of 134.47, which is amazing. Amongst, you know, between having surgery and radiation, you're able to... Yeah, in the middle. I mean, what did that mean for you being able to achieve that at that time? Yeah, I I was really excited and um, it's just a bit strange doing it on your own, though. And (laughs) um, I just remember afterwards going, wow, having a big smile on my face going, that was a really good run. And... I, I must say that it was great to have, um, like, the RMA to share it with. I remember posting it on Facebook. I'm pretty sure I did. And mm-hmm. um, I needed to tell people what I'd done. Mm-hmm. I was excited. And, um, yeah. But in the middle of all of that, I could still do that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. it is. It's incredible. So yeah. what would you say to women who, well, to every woman, I guess, like, what kind of, advice would you give us in regards to looking after our bodies and especially in light of breast cancer for example yeah get your breast check um have a mammogram um i i um i hate to think what would have happened if i hadn't gone that day Mm. because you know shortly after that we did go into lockdown and breast screen did close down and you know it could have been a year later before i got checked and who knows it could have become invasive so um don't don't delay if you know especially um you know if you are 50 and have been sent the um letter to have a checkup have a checkup even go beforehand i I know i it did um i i think that i was trying to you know let, let my friends and family know and if it could encourage others to to go for a checkup or go for an early checkup, then mm. then do it because yeah. you just even you might not expect it, but you never know what diagnosis you might get. So mm, that's right. I'm so blessed that I found it when I did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm a huge advocate of checking up on everything, um, and yeah. especially that's why I do highlight in this podcast lots of different, I guess. Things that affect women, you know, ovarian cancer, breast cancer, tin cancer, yeah. all, I mean, all the things. Um, mm. But it doesn't only affect older women, it affects any women. So I guess the lesson is if there's any change in anything, we should always get it checked. But especially as we do get older, there is so much more that we do have to unfortunately deal with. Um, yeah. And on that note, like people will want me to ask you what it's like <laughs> as a runner who's 51. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in terms of have you gone through, you know, menopause or perimenopause and what that experience was like for you? And has it affected your running? <laughs> yeah, well, I think like in the middle of all of that is where I am at the moment. And um, I'm lucky that. I don't have any really bad symptoms of, you know, what I've heard of other ladies having. Um, I think, if if anything, it's probably helped my running, not having to worry about a period or um, um, period pain or anything like that. So over the last year or so, it's um, something I haven't um, had to worry about and that, that has helped my my running i think um and i'm i think that maybe my running has helped um any of those symptoms as well yeah possibly mm. but I, I i'm not sure if it has but i haven't had anything too bad so mm. yeah and i mean you didn't start running till you were 48 and you're still cracking out amazing times and yeah pbs and like things that I think are incredible and like you know what kind of things what kind of lessons do you think that you want to impart to people about people who are in their 50s like so you know a lot of people say oh well you know when I get to that age I'm just going to relax but Mm. you've got a bit of a different mindset I guess to to that mentality yeah I think that I've got to this that stage in my life where um the children are older um and I didn't have to be here with them all the time. And I had, hadn't really done, apart from going to the gym, I hadn't done a lot to keep myself, you know, I hadn't had a sport, but like my husband had soccer or golf, but I hadn't done anything for me. So I was just like, well, it's, it's me time now. It's, mm. I can do something for me. And I could have taken that 
path and gone, I'm not going to do anything. Or you can take the other path and go, it's me time. I can be active. Going to my later years, that's going to help other parts, my whole body stay healthy and um, aside from the breast cancer. Um, but, but just keep my bones and, you know, my body um, muscular and fit and um, I think I just, I took that path and and I liked the results that I saw and I just want to, you know, keep on that journey. So... Yeah. No, I think it's good. I think it's good to have that mindset and especially as we get older and not to think, oh, I can't achieve things when I'm in my 50s. Like you absolutely yeah. can and you yeah. can do amazing and as you are doing amazing things. I mean, just, you know, you were first in your age group at Canberra Half Marathon this year and just yep. this weekend you were first over the line <laughs> at the Western Sydney Marathon in the Half Marathon. Yes. Um, <laughs> The females so i mean yeah. you're just showing people that you can achieve and it doesn't age is no barrier as long as you've that's got right. the drive and motivation you can do it yeah that's right don't don't think oh i'm getting old i can't do this anymore and i'll just you know put my feet up and relax you know keep yourself active because it's going to help you in all areas you know heart problems um, blood pressure all things like that so um, yeah yeah. yeah, hopefully I can be good in that way. <laughs> Do you follow, like, any particular sort of training plans? Like, what's your week look like in terms of training most weeks? My training plan <laughs> is to fit in with what I'm doing in my week. Um, so, you know, where I am in winter might be a bit different than summer because um, it's a bit colder and a bit harder to get up, but I still yeah. try and get up at um, about... 5.40, get myself up and dressed and stretched and I'm out running by just after 6, mm. freezing cold. Yeah. <laughs> I've got long pants, gloves, beanie, <laughs> hand warmers. Yeah. It's cold out here. <laughs> yes, <laughs> often frosty. Um, but I try and get in, you know, like I try to run for maybe an hour if I can and um, that can be, you know, somewhere between... 10 to 13 kilometres during the week. Mm -hmm. um, I'll do a long run on Sunday if I can, If I, depending on what time my daughter's got soccer. Mm -hmm. um, but I'll try and do a longer, you know, 15 to 20k run or something on Sunday. So it's somewhere around 70 kilometres a week. So mm -hmm. yeah. um, I don't follow a training plan. <laughs> I, I go to the gym um, and do pump. Not, not as often as I should. I should do well strength, but I just <laughs> don't. <laughs> and I also do a cycle class as well every Saturday. So I have Saturdays off. But, um, yep. yeah, I know a lot of people follow training plans and do interval training and things like that, but I don't do anything like that. <laughs> so you just go <laughs> just off run. You just go for a run. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going for a run. Yeah. And, yeah, just what suits me. <laughs> and that's what I like about running. Yeah, mm. a lot of people I know just... Um, do that too and in fact I'm a bit like that these days I just sort of run around and I might do a session a hill session or a speed session very irregularly um yeah but I just like to just go for a run most of the time these days <laughs> yes works yes. for me yeah well it must work for me too then <laughs> yeah it fills my cup that's all that's all it does you yeah. also I wanted to know you were also streaking 10,000 yes. steps a day and you're on to... How many days have you been doing that now? Um, it's about 443, I think I checked. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. so most days so, you're at least getting out the door and doing a walk or a run or something. Yeah, like I, I want to make sure that if I'm not running that I am actually out walking and keeping my body active and mm. it's, it's just making me think about it, what I'm doing and my movement and things mm. like that. So, um, and my daughter's doing it now too, so she's oh. on quite a long streak 100 and something days for her too oh, so that's great yeah so it just makes you um aware makes you think about what you're doing because um you know oh have i done my ten thousand steps yet and so mm. even on days off when i'm not running i want to make sure i'm doing something and mm. doing ten thousand steps is um one way of keeping active to me <laughs> yeah that's great that's a great challenge and someone yeah. listening might think oh that's a really good challenge i'm going to do that too so that's well, i've seen I've, I've seen others on the rma um have long streaks as well i'm like oh 
oh, I could do that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it's amazing. I really mm. like that. So what yeah. do you think running gives to you? Like what does running do for you as a person? Um, well, I think as it is for a lot of the mums, it's that, just that mental break that you need, just a bit of time for yourself. Um, that's probably the most important thing. I just like the freedom of it, just to put my music on and just get out the door and just forget about everything else and let the mind go. So, yeah. And with the early mornings that I was talking about, I can leave home and it's dark outside, but very soon the sun starts to come up and I love to see the sunrise. And I feel inspired when I see the sunrise and how the pretty sky and even just running around laps of my oval, the colours change and I just enjoy looking at that. And mm. I, I don't know, I would have never watched the sunrise as much as what I do now, but I, I love it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I always take photos of it and put it on my Strava. People probably get sick of it, but I, I like capturing the moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's yeah. a reminder of the gift of every day, right? That you get yeah. to up and see that sunrise every single day. It's a gift. Yeah. To be yeah. It's lovely. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. Great way um, to start the day. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Have you got any goals moving forward with your running journey? Yeah. I mean... People say to me, oh, are you going to run a marathon? I'm like, oh, I don't know if I really could run a marathon. It just seems like such a lot of running. <laughs> I just, yeah. I just don't know because I'm, um, you know, with the pace that I run, I don't know if I could um, slow it down for a marathon or not. But yeah. my longest run is about 27 kilometres, so maybe I'd like to push past that. Yeah. Uh, 30 kilometres even. Mm -hmm. Um my average time of all the half marathons I've done in recent times have been around the 137 mark. Maybe I'd like to try and get that a little bit, mm. take a minute or so off that. Yeah. Um, just more events. Not sure what next, but, um, you know, I'm sure there'll be a few more events to come this year. So, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. well we can chat about what events might be. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I look forward to seeing yeah, you on the start line of a few other Sydney events this year, if not travelling somewhere else. But yeah. there's some great ones coming up. So I'll, I'll let you know what they are. Yes. <laughs> Let's just finish off with the hot lap. So I wanted to find out, and I always finish off with all our guests with the hot lap and I curate the questions specifically for you. Yeah. So my first question is, what has been your favourite running moment? My favourite running, running moment would have to be when I finished the Dubbo Stampede, which was my second half marathon, but it was the first one that I felt that I'd done well and I completed it and I felt triumphant. It was fun. I had um, family and friends there. I raised my arms in excitement when I crossed the line because I'd done it and I'd done it well. And, mm. um, yeah, I'd achieved what I wanted to achieve with that run so yeah and a great event a great event yeah 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 oh well this one actually you've already answered for me which was do you prefer morning or evening running and why <laughs> yeah we're well, definitely the morning running for the um the sunrise so and um just a good way to start the day i can get home and like be seven o'clock and i'm like time to run i'm i've exercised so done 10,000 steps, so I've yeah, <laughs> done my exercise and I'm ready to um, start the day now. <laughs> so yeah. good. I mean, I do yeah. think I find it hard to run in the morning these days when it's cold and I'm just it is hard. It fabulous, is. but it is good when you get home and you've done it and it's yes. such a nice yes. thing to see the sunrise. It really yeah. is. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, then, I'm, I'm running and I'm thinking about my shower, my hot shower warming me yeah. up and breakfast and coffee and things like that. So. Right. And then it's yeah. done. So many, as you know, as mums, so many things pop up throughout the day. Yeah. Like and after work or whatever and we're exhausted by the end of the day. So, yes, you know, that's right. And that's why I do it because I think at the end of the day I might not feel like it. Who knows what's going to happen? You've got a dinner to think about and, well, you know, yeah. running kids around to training and stuff like that. So that's it. It's done. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So my next question is, who has been your greatest inspiration? Oh, in running. Or in life. Uh, it doesn't even have to be about running. 
Yeah, well, um, I guess there's been a few influential people that have sort of helped me to get to where I am in running. Um, my sister-in-law, Mel, who encouraged me to do my first event, who was encouraged by her sister-in-law, Tanya. <laughs> um, and um, I guess, I, you know, I don't know whether it's that they've inspired me, but they've set me on the journey that I'm on. So that's sort of helped me. And I think I have a, a lot of people when I've put up a Facebook post on RMA, which I've always been hesitant to do because I'm always a bit shy about it. Um, but when I've done it, I've got such wonderful responses mm. and people have said to me, oh, you've inspired me. And I'm like, I've inspired you? What, really? Yeah. <laughs> but I think that just reading other people's journeys on RMA has helped to inspire me to think, oh, I could do that. So, mm. yeah, yeah, it goes around. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's what the community is for. And yeah. what I love about it is that everyone's so different and it doesn't matter where you come in the pack or where you've come from or... Mm. It, everyone is has a story and yeah. um, there's been some pretty incredible ones that have inspired me, including your story, which is why oh, you're here. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, I just think it's inspiring just to see women get out there and have a go, to be honest, um, yeah. and do things for themselves that make their lives better. I, I just think and, and show their own families, you know, the importance of being fit and active and having goals. Um, yeah. And trying to achieve something that's important to you, I think that's really special. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a pretty special place, RMA, for all of us. Yeah, that. I mean, even on Sunday when I was running past the, the fellow RMA um, who came third, Belinda, she said to me, oh, you, you had such a determined look on your face. And she said, I drew inspiration from you when I was running and oh. it helped me to um, run well to the end. And I was like, oh, did I really? Oh, thank you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> didn't expect that. But if I helped along the way, then that's great. So it was just even really encouraging smiles as we passed each other because we were both um, RMA. So that was, that was really nice. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Like what's it been... I'm just going to add this question in. Like, what has it meant for you to be part of that community? Yeah, um, it's really helped me on my running journey because just reading other people's stories and other people, seeing where people have come from um, just makes me want to achieve as well. Mm. And um, I, I, I met a really good friend that we started... Um, following each other on Strava after she'd seen one of my um, Facebook posts. Now we chat every day. So, yeah, big shout-out to Claire McCleary for her friendship and um, someone to turn to and talk to, especially about running because a lot of other friends just don't quite understand what you've gone through to achieve what you have. So, yeah. um, you know, if you had a good day, a bad day, it's always good to just... Um, chat to her about that yeah about everything so yeah that's nice i'm glad that you've found that through rma yeah. special yeah. what is the biggest thing that you've learned about yourself as a runner and a mum um believe in yourself and, and don't think you can't do things because you can and be strong and just keep striving that age is no barrier um, and I hope that I've shown my kids to keep active and that'll keep them healthy as well. Yeah, do they run with you? Not with me because I run too fast. <laughs> <laughs> but my, um, my daughter will go off and do her little runs. She did her first 10K run. That's Holly, my 19-year-old. She did a, her first 10K run just on her own the other day but she's done a few they've both done a couple of events as well so awesome. i think that they like they came along to that first event and they decided they didn't want to just stand on the sideline they wanted to get a medal so they do yeah. the 5k events as well so oh, it's cool. nice that they can be involved as well yeah. yeah i love that i love that yeah okay my last question is what would be the greatest lesson you have learned in your life um 
be strong and don't give up. Mm. Stay strong. And that's what I was changing to myself on Sunday when I was running, stay strong, stay strong. So, mm. and, and I think even with all that I went through with my family that I had to stay strong. Mm. Um, mm. And that helps to get you through, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then your strength has definitely shone through and through your story as well. You are an amazing, strong woman. Oh, thank you. you. Own it. Um, you yeah. Will. And you are strong. And thank you for sharing your story with us because I know it's it's a hard one to share. Oh, thank you. I hope, um, I hope I continue to inspire others. <laughs> Thanks, Anne. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Well, thanks for tuning in again for another episode of the podcast. I hope you loved this conversation with Angela. I look forward to bringing you another conversation in a fortnight's time. For now, please head over and subscribe, rate and review and share this podcast with your friends. Speak to you next time.